um, I've just put down a general like best worst story, and this is more just oh. like if you have a story that springs to mind. Um, well, I could have a lot of stories that spring to mind. I don't know if there'd be any. would <laughs> be any good. Well, the best. Well, I've, I've, let me have a look. I did write something down. What's the first one that jumps into your mind? <laughs> My first dead body. <laughs> Well, it was first year nights. I'd managed to get through 20 weeks of ward work without a dead body. So first year nights, so this would have been, yeah, so this was my third ward. And it was a, a medical ward. Yes, it was a medical ward. It was a diabetic ward. And it was two o'clock and you have to go do, do your rounds. So staff nurse had sort of detailed me off to go want to do one of the six bedded bases. So you go around taking the pulses and things. And... I sort of got to this gentleman in the six bedded bay and he had what they have called cot sides because obviously he must have been falling out of bed so the cot sides were up at the side and he was sort of like half over the the cot side and <laughs> you can still see yeah it sounds terrible his false teeth were just sort of hanging sort of <laughs> in his mouth onto his bottom lip <laughs> and he just he just had a, a funny colour. I mean, it was dark and it was just a funny colour. And I thought, I went to take his pulse. And of course, I couldn't find a pulse and he felt quite cold. So I was sort of, I got a bit giggly. And I went and got the, the staff nurse and um, I said, I can't remember the guy there. I said, I, th I think he's died. And of course, I was, <laughs> And the night sister came on. So she said, she'd asked the staff and she said, you know, what's the nurse Berry laughing about? And oh, well, she's just found the gentleman who's died. <laughs> so she took the staff nurse to one side and said, can you please tell your student nurses not to laugh when somebody has died? So the staff nurse explained what's our first, our first one. And I think she's a bit hysterical. <laughs> but yes, I can still see him, yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean that 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 leads into a question that that I've kind of I scribbled down before the call, but uh, about the sort of sense of humor that <laughs> very much the gallows humor. <laughs> there is a, a very specific sense of humor that you find. Oh yeah, with people that work in medicine, you kind of develop from working. Um, you have to. Because if you got too involved and too emotional, you wouldn't be able to do the job. Medicine, the sort of medicine I deal with in respiratory medicine is really not a nice uh, specialty because we get lots of people with lung cancer. We get lots of people with end-stage lung disease. So quite a few people die. So, you know, uh, we get to know patients quite well and then inevitably they will die. You're there to help the patients. You're there not to empathize yes but not it, it's hard to stay a lot of the time it's hard hard to stay emotionally detached but you have to you have to be able to and see it for what it is uh you know we know um, i know my mortality rate on the inpatients is three percent that's the same as all respiratory physicians it's a it's a specialty where it's miserable the patients are really sick the patients are in dire straits also they're probably the poorest of the people and the way of coping with that is to develop a morbid sense of humor mm. and to find things funny which other people don't find funny it, it can sound quite 
cruel, I suppose. But it's not that we're being disrespectful or anything. It's just that that's the way to cope. And funny things happen. You know, if you saw it in a film, you'd laugh your head off at some of the things. But it's, it's, a, it's a way of coping. It's just the way we're trained. You know, when I was a medical student, we were taught this sort of sense of humour. And it was just the sense of humour that you, we learned from our seniors. Mm. And it, it's just a coping mechanism. And yeah. it's good fun. But, you know, it's always respectful. But there's just funny things that happen. If you get if a group of medics go out for dinner, they'll always, you know, nobody worries about talking about diarrhea when they're drinking, you know, soup and, you know, you know, if you have like uh, watercress soup and you say, oh yes, I put a chest drain in somebody and got something out look out of that chest looks like this, and and nobody thinks anything about it because yeah, it's you know, it's just a fact of life: gore, blood, gore, horrible pus. It's just part of life. Another one was a lady in a cubicle who just died next to the nurse's station. The cubicle was next to the nurse's station. Mm. She, I can't remember what had been wrong with her. But anyway, she, as I was talking to her, she, she just faded away. And um, yeah, she seemed to have given her last breath, checked her pulse and everything. She was dead. So it came out. And then I went back in for something. And then there was this next breath. Oh my gosh, she's still alive. And I'd already phoned the doctor to say she died. And I thought, gosh, this isn't going to look very good at all. So, so I went back in and I was checking her pulse. And I thought, she still hasn't got a pulse. And I thought, you know, saying the lady's name, so, you know, are you all right? And nothing, absolutely nothing. So the doctor arrived on the ward and then there was such a thud. Oh my gosh, she's working up, she's falling out of bed. So that was the first place I looked. But of course it wasn't her. She was dead. It was somebody else further around in the ward. And of course the doctor comes on and he says, well, is she dead? I think so. You know, I mean, an experienced staff nurse in charge of the ward doesn't know if her patient's dead or not. <laughs> I think that's all my death and dying ones. Uh, best story I think the, probably the well I've got a couple of good stories okay the best story was a story when I was a senior house officer at the general hospital in Newcastle and I'd admitted a man slightly confused and he has absconded from the ward so the general hospital used to be on something called Westcote Road uh, so I rang up the police and said uh, one of my patients has absconded and he said Right, okay, so what's he look like? So I said, well, he's wearing blue pyjamas and he's got a flat cap on. So he said, right, we'll find him for you. <laughs> so then they ring back an hour later and said, have you got any more details? So I said, why? He says, well, there's two gentlemen in pyjamas and flat caps walking up and down Westgate Road. <laughs> I said, ah, right. And then, guess what? The man turns up. So the, he's actually been found by... Uh, in the police in the fire station because the the general hospital was opposite the fire station so the guy had actually walked across the road and was picked up with a fire brigade so in fact there was three people wearing pajamas <laughs> and flat caps on westgate road that day <laughs> another really good story so i was uh, as house officer and uh, before normally what would happen was you'd have uh, tea and coffee with the nurses at about midnight after they'd done the ward round so you know you'd sit down with the nurses 
they would go through the patients and we'd write up the drugs, we'd write up the fluids and all that sort of thing, making sure all the patients were settled down for the night. And usually I had a cup of tea and coffee anyway. So I had my tea and coffee before I went to bed. And about four o'clock, no, about six o'clock in the morning, the, ner- the nurses rang me up and said, are you all right? I said, yeah, fine. And, 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 and did you happen to that? I said, well, not really. He said, did you have to go to the loo? I said, yeah, I had to get up about six o'clock to go to the loo. And they just giggled because I'd put a load of diuretic in my uh, coffee. <laughs> so they've put this load of diuretic in my coffee. So I thought, right, okay, I'll have to get you back. So about two or three nights later, I thought, yeah, I'll get you back. So they were now paranoid because they knew I was going to try and get them back. So they, when they were making the tea and the coffee, they'd they emptied the water out of the tea, put new water in. They'd wash the cups out. What they didn't realize was I'd actually put the fruzamide in the milk. So uh, <laughs> they so they ended up going to the loo every about an hour or two. So these are the sort of things we used to do in the 1980s. You used to sort of basically poison your colleagues with <laughs> diuretics. And uh, yeah, so we used to do these things. <laughs> <laughs>